0: So this new series we're calling All I Need, and kind of the intent of the All I Need series is basically we're going to take a look at the three offices, prophet, priest, and king. See, in the Old Testament, three offices, three roles were anointed, a prophet, a priest, and a king. We're going to talk about how Jesus is not one, not two, but fulfills all three of those roles, hence the anointed one, the Messiah. And we will talk about the Messiah some as well as the weeks lead up to Christmas. This morning, it's going to be specifically about the prophet and how Jesus fulfills the role of prophet. We're titling it the prophetic office of Jesus. And we've got a lot to cover this morning, so we're going to get moving. And I'm going to go and give you the page number and where we're going to focus scripture this morning. But I'll tell you now, we're not going to read it for a little bit. We're going to do a little different this morning. We're actually going to have three main points, and then we're going to use that Scripture to bring them all together and bring them out to us, and then we'll have our final two. We're going to have five ways that Jesus fulfills the prophetic office in many ways. It's going to be on page 1123, if you're using the Bible, it's probably in front of you, and that's John chapter 12, and it's going to be verses 27 through 50. John chapter 12, verses 27 through 50, and you can just hold your place. Like I said, we'll get to that in in a moment. But let's get our brains turning for a minute on titles. Titles and roles. See, when we think of a title and a role, what comes with it? An expectation. We expect the person to be capable to fill that role. There's a responsibility with a role. And then when you put a title and a role with a name to it, think of you and your name. When you sign the bottom line on something, that speaks to who you are. That means something. If you sign something, it speaks to who you are. So it provides a lot of value to you and a lot of meaning to you. So when you put those together, I'll give you an example, like the President of the United States. A President of the United States has an expectation. We expect them to be capable to fulfill that role. Now that's debatable. Many people have opinions on certain presidents if they're debatable. Well, Jesus' prophet is undebatable, and we'll get to that in a moment. But presidents are expected to speak a certain way. Fulfill the expectation. They may, they may speak to change that's coming, a cost that's going to be involved financially or selfishly for you, a cost for us, change that's going to need to happen. Presence may speak to that cost and change. I speak. I think of a plumber. If we have a leak, who do we expect? The plumber. What are they expected to do? In that role with that title, they're expected to fix the leak. Right? Now some leave and the leak isn't fixed. Are they a plumber? That's up for debate. So you have a president, you have a plumber, you have a math teacher. If you have a math problem, who do you go to? You go to the math teacher because there's an expectation there to fill that role. I think of my life and my history. I'm a grandpa. How does grandpa fulfill a role? What does a grandpa speak like? I speak different than I do to my children, because I let my grandchild get away with much more, my daughter and my grandson. You know, there's an expectation that goes with a grandpa, grandma, sister, brother. Think of your role. I think of my career, how I went from a labor to a mason to a safety director to a vice president. Each one of them had a different expectation. As a mason, I was expected to be able to know construction, how things go together. I was expected to be able to lay brick and block and stone and be able to speak about it and teach people about it. And when somebody knew Josh Atwell, the name that went with that role, they may leave and say, Josh Atwell is a Mason. Again, that's debatable. Some might not say I was a Mason. As a vice president, I don't lay brick, block, and stone no more, but I have to sign off and speak about change, change that may be happening, cost that may be involved, and what that looks like. So with a role, with a name, a lot goes with that. What about you? What are you? What's your roles in your family? What's your roles been in the past? What do you do for a living? What are you going to do for a living? What did you do? What are you doing now? Think about that. How are you fulfilling that role? Are you living up to the expectations? Your name is on the line. Do people know and would, would they say you fulfill it? See, this morning we're going to talk about Jesus as the prophet and how he fulfills that role, and it's not up for debate. He fulfills it perfect. So it's important that we define what is a prophet of God and what is prophecy. Well, a prophet, prophet of God can do many things. All throughout Scripture, they may heal. They may warn others. They foretell an event that's going to happen. But see, they may not know every detail about the event. They would speak to what's to come, and they themselves would wonder, when is it going to happen? But they would know, without a doubt, it was going to happen. Because they were a prophet of God. They would speak it how God wanted it spoke, His divine word spoken through them. Prophet of God. They would know that event's going to happen. 100% you could take it to the bank. That is a prophet. They are a spokesman, a messenger, a mouthpiece for the Lord. And prophecy is that 100% accurate divine event that's going to happen. Not maybe, it will happen. So how does Jesus fulfill the role of the prophet? Not a prophet, the prophet. And we'll get to that a little bit as we go. That's going to be the goal. That's going to be the focus this morning, is to see how he does it in a perfect way. So we define it. We define a, a prophet of God, we define prophecy. So now, how do you know if a prophecy is true? Well, I'll use a couple of verses of scripture to reinforce that and back that up. Deuteronomy eighteen twenty-one, this is Moses speaking to the or God speaking to the Israelites. He says, If you say in your heart, How may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. So how do you know? It'll happen. It comes true. That's how you know it's from the Lord. Peter goes on in Second Peter. This is Peter. He says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. A prophecy of God is spoken and inspired and carried out through the Holy Spirit, and it will happen. It will come true. So important that we define that as we get into this. A prophet of God, prophecy, and how do you know if it's true? That's going to get us right into our first point this morning. If you're following along, doing the fillings, that's great. If not, just, just pay attention and tune in. The first thing I want to point out on one of the ways, one of the five ways how Jesus fulfills the prophetic office in so many ways is Jesus spoke prophecy. Jesus spoke prophecy. Now, You and I both know there could be example after example of this throughout Scripture. So many. God really worked on my heart on this. I'll just be real with you. I was all over the place because there's so much. And it said took God, Where where are we going with this? Where do you want me? And actually it landed in three spots, three examples, all three very popular that many of us will be familiar with. But there's a reason that we're going there. I'm going to talk about the betrayal, the denial, and the death. Jesus foretold all three of those. He spoke prophecy. Betrayal, denial, and death. Let's start with the betrayal. See, at the Passover meal, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. Many of us know He said those words. He was foretelling it was going to happen. And He said, when I dip this morsel, the person whom I give it to, that's who it's going to be. What happened? He dipped it, he gave it to Judas, and he said, and Satan entered Judas at that moment. He said, What you're going to do, do quickly. He foretold of his own betrayal by somebody that knew his name, listened to him at times, followed him at times, and betrayed him. Think of his denial right, right after that pastor, from somebody even closer to him, Peter, he tells Peter, You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Three times. What happens after that? Just moments before his death, hours, a couple days before his death, a day before, what happens to him? Peter denies him. Jesus is arrested, tried, and denied. Peter, so close to his heart, denies Jesus. And then his death. And I'm actually going to use a section of Scripture for this one to remind us of Jesus. Did it more than once. This is him foretelling of his death, but not just his death. He's gathered with his disciples at Galilee and in Matthew 17, 22 and 23. Jesus says to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. And brothers and sisters, we know Jesus died on that cross. But see, for this event, for this foretelling, I can't stop it, a death on the cross. Because what else did he say there? He said, and he will be raised on the third day. And what does Mark 16, verse 6 tell us? It says, as those women were entering that tomb and they seen the man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe, they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Jesus is risen. He foretold it. Why betrayal? Why denial? Why death? Because it's all for you and me. All three of those we're using this morning are directly for you and me. He didn't do that for himself. He's glorified through it all, but he did it to save you and me. That's why those three this morning. But there's another reason why. Because as we follow Jesus Christ, what about our lives? Do those three sound familiar to you? Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, you may have experienced those. You're going to experience those. See, if we truly follow Jesus, there may be times in our life, many of you sitting in here now may have faced this on extreme levels. Maybe you are now. Maybe you're going to tomorrow. We will be betrayed. We will be denied. And we expect death. We know we're all going to die. But just like Jesus, he conquered the betrayal. He conquered the denial. And he conquered death. And because of him, we will rise as well. That's why those three, Jesus spoke prophecy. How amazing is that? You see, the plumber speaks like a plumber. The math teacher speaks like a math teacher. The president speaks like a president. Josh speaks like a mason. But it's all up for debate. Jesus, the prophet, speaks like a prophet perfectly. The divine word of God and it will happen. Jesus speaks prophecy. That's one way. The second way that we're going to get into in the second point is Jesus fulfills the prophetic word spoken of by other prophets. Jesus fulfills the prophetic word spoken of by other prophets. Now again, we could go so many places for this. I'm going to kind of rapidly fire off several of these, okay? And as I say these, don't zone out, zone in. How many of these do you know? Because this is just several examples, okay? And as we give examples from God's Word, that's when we should be zoning in and never zoning out. This is God's Word for us. Let us listen to it as such. Here are several examples of prophecy spoken of by others, Isaiah, Micah, Daniel, Jeremiah, that Jesus fulfilled, that they spoke. He would be born of a virgin. He would be given the throne of David. His throne will be an eternal throne. He would be called Emmanuel. We sang about that this morning, right? He would be born in Bethlehem. We sang about that this morning. These should be very familiar. He would be called a Nazarene. He would be zealous for the Father. He would deal gently with the Gentiles. He would speak in parables. He would be rejected by his own. We just spoke about that. His hands would be pierced. He would suffer death. He would rise again and ascend. All of them. Fulfilled by Jesus. But those aren't the ones we're going to use this morning as our reinforcement to back up and the one we're going to get into a little bit more. I'm going to use one from Moses. And there's a reason why I'm using one from Moses. Because Moses was a prophet. Moses was a great prophet. And there's so many similarities between Moses and Jesus. I'm going to share some of them. And some of it may come a surprise to you. Wow, I didn't realize there was that many similarities between Moses and Jesus. And this isn't even all of them. But Moses is the one that's going to have the prophetic word that Jesus is going to fulfill. As similar as they are, there's a couple big differences. Listen to this. Moses, four Old Testament books describe his life. Jesus, four New Testament books describe his life. Pharaoh threatened to kill Moses as a baby. Herod threatened to kill Jesus as a baby. This is my favorite. They both enjoyed a special relationship with the Father. How? A covenant was established through each of them. They were both intervening mediators, intercessors for a covenant. I love that. Both identified with their people. Both were known for meekness. Both had great burden over Israel's sin. Both provided for the hungry. Moses furnished the law of God. Jesus fulfilled the law of God. Moses was a great prophet. But here's one of the big separating factors. Jesus atoned for sin. The covenant that was established through him is everlasting. And he atoned for our sin. See, he's not a prophet. He's the prophet. Even all the other prophets told and, and, and spoke prophecy about Jesus, the prophet. There's a big difference. I want to point that out as we get in to what Moses said, the prophetic word of Moses that Jesus fulfilled. You don't have to turn there. It's brief. It's in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 18. And twice in these four verses, it's mentioned. Once from Moses and once from God. Here it is. He says in 15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. That's Moses speaking to the people, God's chosen people. From your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. And then just a couple verses over, this is God speaking to Moses. He says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. That's Jesus. Peter backs that up. Years later, speaking in Solomon's portico in Acts 3.22, this is Peter. This is it happening. What's happening, this is Peter reassuring. This is it. He says, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Jesus fulfilled it. Moses spoke it, Jesus fulfilled it. See he don't just speak prophecy, he fulfills the prophetic words spoken of by other prophets. When I think of that, I can't help it. A friend of mine told me a story last week about this woman he knew, I believe it was a teacher, and she had said, if he If she could foretell an event, basically, he would be the one to end up in prison. He would be the one. You know how you get the best hair in high school and the best dress and the best look and the most daring? Well, he was the most likely to end up in prison. That's what his teacher told him. If I could foretell this event, you're going to be the one that ends up in prison. See, but there's a big difference because all over the place, people have predicted things and foretold things. The end of the world, the weather, we know how accurate they are. They always foretell things and they don't happen. See, there's a big difference between this teacher and the ultimate teacher because what she foretold did not happen. He did not end up in prison. He was not captive. He was not bondage. He was not behind bars, held slavery in prison, held in slavery in prison. But see, with Jesus, everyone is fulfilled. But there is one thing that is the same. Not only did my friend not end up in prison, but because of Jesus and the Him fulfilling prophecy, you and me, we don't end up in prison. We're not held captive. We're not bondage to sin and slavery to this world. We are set free because Jesus is the ultimate teacher. The perfect prophet. There's a big difference. It makes me, as I as God put this message on my heart, it just opened up to me how amazing the Bible is. God's Word from front to back. The only book that has prophecy after prophecy throughout it, start to finish, and it's 100% true, accurate, inerrant, unlike anything else in the world and has withstood the test of time. How amazing God's Word is. As I went through this and prepared this, it was overwhelming to me and hard for me. This was a hard message for me, because when you just tell somebody to speak on fulfilling the role of prophet, that's all thats a work by God, brothers and sisters, because you can go almost anywhere in this Bible for that. Praise God. Our third point this morning is Jesus identified himself as a prophet and a messenger of God the Father. Jesus identified himself as a prophet and messenger of God the Father. I'll give three quick examples for this, and then we're going to get ready to get into John to really reinforce these and have one section of Scripture that captures an example of each. But Jesus, saying He is a prophet. Mark 6, I'll give one example. Jesus said it, and this is Him in His own hometown, His own people, teaching in the synagogue. And they're opposed to Him. His own hometown, His, his people. And this is what Jesus said. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. That's Jesus' words. He says a prophet is not without honor, identifying himself as a prophet amongst his own people. And that's going to set us up really good for John because not only does he identify himself, we're going to see here in a moment a critical time, very critical time, Jesus does it again. He'll say, I am a messenger. I am a prophet of God. And we're going to read John now to fulfill that. But I want to set the scene. It's, it's on page 1153, John 12, verse 27 is where we're going to start. But to set the scene for this, I have to do it. It's important because it's so critical. See, the, the Pharisees are so mad right now because people are going to seek Jesus Jews, Greeks, they're here and some are believing. Some are going out to meet him. They want to know him and see him. And that's not going over well to the world. That's not going over well to the Pharisees. They are fiery mad at this. They want Lazarus dead because of it, because he's playing a part in it. And they want Jesus dead, obviously. So all this is taking place. And during this critical time, and what do I mean by critical time? What I'm getting ready to read is in the final week, days before the death of Jesus, a critical time. A last moment for many of these people. And this is what Jesus has to say. Starting in verse 27. He says, now is my soul... troubled." I'm going to break this into three sections, by the way. You're going to see point one in the first section, point two in the second section, and point three in the third section. So I will pause a couple times as I read this to point it out. Verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And here you go. You talk about foretelling events. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. He knew what the voice was for. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out for telling it. And I, when I am lifted up for telling it from the earth, will draw all people to myself for telling what he's going to do. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die for telling what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him. We have heard from the law that the the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. For telling it would only be a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Jesus spoke prophecy, point one. You see it all through that first section. But that has an application for us today as well. Because that, like I said, that was days before his death. And we're going to see in a moment that Jesus departs after this. He hides. Do you know what that means? That means that for many people, this was it. This was the last time they would see Jesus. This was their last invitation, the last call to believe in the light and become sons of light. How does that apply to you? Because today, there are people walking around. This is the last week they're going to live. This is the last breath they're going to take maybe today. This is it. It's a critical time. It could be the final invitation they have to hear about believing in the light and becoming a child of God. What an application for today as well. Let's back up point two with section two. We're going to move on to the next verse. You're going to see Jesus had done many things and do many things to fulfill that prophetic word spoken of by another prophet right here. It says, when Jesus had said these things, so there you go, he said all these things, he departed and he hid himself from them, though he had done so many signs, so he does signs, he says things, he departs, he hides, and others still don't believe. It says, Though he done all those signs before them, they still did not believe in him so that what? So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. All those things Jesus did. Them not believing all to fulfill the prophecy spoken of by Isaiah. And then it goes on. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom he he has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said... He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke him. now watch this. Don't miss this part. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. There you have point 2. Fulfilling the prophetic word, reinforce. But the application of that section for today is look around. Jesus is rejected. There's people that don't believe. But you know what else is true for today? It says that many did believe and did not confess it. They weren't all in. See, this, sir, this, this title, All I Need, is because Jesus is all I need and He's all you need. And we are all in Christians. See, there's people out there today, they say they believe in Jesus Christ. But are they producing fruit? Are they living separate from the world? Are they in prayer? Are they in church? Does God, are they? Do they despise sin? Are they willing to stand up and confess it? Or do they care more about the world and what people think instead? See, that's a big application for today, for that section as well, because it applies today all around you and I in our own families. Probably almost every one of our families with somebody. It's that near and dear and close to us all throughout the world. And then the third section. And Jesus cried out, very next verse, 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I do not come to, the, to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. And here you go, that third point where, he's, where he speaks, he's a messenger of God. He says, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. He identified himself as a prophet, a mouthpiece, a messenger for the Lord, that third one. And that has an application for us today as well. Because people reject him, people believe in him, and we are here for a reason, to connect them. See, we can connect, we can all be a connector for a rejecter. We can be. We can help connect them to Christ. Because why does this apply today? What's the first four words that says, and Jesus cried out in that third section? He didn't give up. He didn't give up on them. He was even with rejection, he was given that call. He was saying, believe in me, time is running out. See, we can follow that example. We don't give up. We don't give up on family members. We don't give up on friends. We don't give up on our enemies. We love like Jesus. We connect them. We keep sharing. What if those walls right there came down one day? Because each one of us in this room was sharing Jesus Christ, inviting people to church. It was at the top of our priority. Listen, we were relentless about it. We were crying out to them. How amazing would that be? What if? So that brings the first three points together. Reinforces them. But we're not done. See, there's a fourth way Jesus fulfills the prophetic office. So many ways. And see, the answer is not going to be if I had to put a main goal for this message, it would be not to ask, How does Jesus fulfill the role of the prophet? but to leave saying, How don't he? Because he does it in every way possible. And here's a fourth one Jesus was recognized by others as a prophet. Jesus was recognized by others as a prophet. Luke. Right after Jesus had raised the widow's son from the dead, the people that are around, it says, Fear seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And I love this part right here. Listen to this. This is the rest of that verse. A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited the people. Why the prophet? Because he's fully God, fully man. He's the Son of God. He is God. He is the prophet. A great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited His people, recognized by others as a prophet. Matthew, the crowd said, this is the prophet, Jesus, from the Nazareth of Galilee. From Nazarene of Galilee. And then John 4.19, this is a very familiar one. The woman at the well. Jesus just finishes telling her, hey, I know you've had five husbands and the one that you're with now is not your husband. What news she heard, right? Well, she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus was recognized by others as a prophet. See, in that day, people knew who to go to. And the prophet carried a lot of weight. They knew that they had words that they needed to hear. Many words they needed to hear. Earlier we mentioned the plumber and the math teacher and the mace, and all those examples, and how you know who to go to. For each one of those examples, you know who to go to. Whatever the situation may be in this world, we go to the right person who can fix it, the right person to call. See, if you want to know something about your life, if you want to know something about the future, you go to the right person. You go to God. You go to God's Word. That's where all the answers are. I know the company that I work for, there's a lot of discussion about the plans for the company, the future for the company. Well, I have to be in the right meetings with the right people to hear it from the source of what's the plan for the company? What's going to happen with the company? I have to be with the owner and the source. See, it's the same thing. If you want to know about the direction the world is heading, if you want to know about what's to come, you got to know from the source. you got to be meeting with God, the right God, the one true God. Meet with God, the source. That's where you're going to find out all the information we need to know. He's recognized by others as a prophet. We recognize Him in so many ways. And you talk about titles and names, He fulfills every one perfectly. Think of all the names you've heard Jesus called. Prophet, Overcomer, Savior, Lord, King, Perfect Lamb. Name it. He fulfills every single one of them perfectly. And that brings us to our final point this morning. Jesus will fulfill future prophecy. Jesus will fulfill future prophecy. What a way to end it, right? Think of that for a minute. You have Jesus Christ, the prophet, who speaks it, fulfills it, identifies as it, is recognized as it, and he's not done. He says, I will fulfill it. John 14, 3, Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Brother and sister, I don't know what you got going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in the world with the way it is. Everything we say week after week, day after day with our lives, right? Well, I got news for you. Jesus will fulfill this prophecy. He will return. And how we talked about at the beginning with Christmas and the seasons about having that eternal perspective. Well, there's a few applications for you today with this message. One, if you walked in here today hurt, financial situation, loss of job, family member, sickness, go on and on. Whatever those situations are that happens in our life, I want to just refresh you and renew your mind and restart you that you have Jesus. He's all I need. He's all you need. Keep that eternal perspective. Let it refresh your soul. That In the big picture, the eternal perspective, it's going to be okay. You have all you need. The other way it applies to you, is what I said earlier about go. Go to the Bible. See, we scratch our head at times and we wonder, what, how's, how am I supposed to make this decision? What's my next step? What's next in the Bible? Go to the Bible. Go to the source. And the final one, as we get ready to close, this is for you. I want to ask you a question. Your name, does it hold value? Stan, Brent, Jim, Jim... Jim, a lot of gems in here. A lot of gems. Your name, does it provide value? Does it hold meaning to you? Do people know who you are if you're a grandpa, if you're an employee, whatever you are? How are you doing at that? Is it debatable? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have a title. It's Christian. You have a meaning. It's child of God. How am I doing? And how are you doing at fulfilling that role? Because we had the the prophet, the perfect lamb, the propitiation, the sufficient payment for our sins so that we can believe and provide fruit. See, we live as Christians. We live out our faith. When I hear that Jesus will still fulfill this prophecy, it makes me think of our faith and my faith and how it all hangs so much on that. That's my glory. That's my hope. That's my certainty that Jesus is returning that I have an eternal life of salvation. Nothing can outdo that. So how, how does Jesus fulfill the entire prophetic office of prophet? Brother and sister, how don't he? Let us close in prayer.